really excited to just share um, just the vision for just the next season in our church. Uh, really, it's nothing new. Uh, we're not dropping a bomb on you or anything like that. We're just kind of sharing how the Lord is leading us to be effective in what we've already established our vision and our mission are uh, as a church. And uh, let's just go over this, um, uh, what we've laid out. It's been three years now since we've uh, just had some big Sunday mornings where we as elders laid before you what we believe the New Testament leads us in as a local congregation and as a local church. Uh, we established a vision uh, as a church or a purpose statement. And, you know, that's something that basically defines like who we are and why we exist. It really justifies why we are here as a congregation. And, you know, are we just taking up space on a corner block for the fun of it? You know, or is there really something we're about here? And it turns out, according to the scripture, uh, there's something we're about and it's something that God has called us to be. And so this is really gleaned from, it's like a, it's like a uh, concentrated, you know, you think of those vitamin pills that kind of squeeze like a hundred different vegetables into like one little pill. That's kind of what we've done. We've taken the New Testament and we've condensed it down to a little bite-sized pill. And uh, our vision statement, we've painted it on the back of our wall and then we have it available uh, for you guys here tonight. And it's that we exist to make disciples in our city and of all nations who are sent out to proclaim and embody the gospel of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. And just kind of one of the main scriptures that, that we cling to with our vision were Jesus' last words. You know, after just, uh, just a, an obedient life, after a sacrificial, heroic death after a victorious, vindicating resurrection and right before a glorious ascension, a homecoming, Jesus gave us his last words, which are Matthew 28, 18. He came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now that's, that's an important part of the Great Commission. Okay, without this, then the rest is just like, should we really trust you? Do you really know what you're doing? But he's already come, lived the obedient life, fulfilled the law of the Lord, paid a, a spotless sacrifice. His sacrifice was, was a sufficient to atone for my sins and yours. He didn't stay dead in the ground, but he rose in victory on the third day. And it was then that the Lord gave him all authority. And so what does he do with this all authority? He commissions disciples, okay? He commissions disciples, and it's believed by theologians this wasn't just for the 11. This was for all disciples who would ever be. And so if you're a Christian here today, that's you and that's me. And so he said with authority, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And so there's some things that, that constitute making disciples. A disciple 
is a learner. A disciple is an imitator. It's a follower. And so we as disciples are learners of Jesus, followers of Jesus, imitators of Jesus. And it says that uh, as we are disciples, what first thing we're to do is we're to get disciples, we're rather baptized. And how cool on Sunday this last week to baptize Preston and a new believer and to baptize uh, a young man, Weston. Uh, Weston, not Weston. Willem. Uh, yeah, I was totally there though. I mean, my heart was there. Is Naomi even here tonight and Jake? Okay, good. Don't tell him. Okay. Sarah, be faithful. All right. Uh, so to be baptized, okay, uh, in a Trinitarian baptism, and then we are to be taught. We're to be taught to observe and to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And then there's that great promise at the end that this is till the end of the age. And the end of the age hasn't happened yet. So this authoritative commission, it's still authoritative and his presence is here with us today, right now, in our midst. As we still endeavor to be disciples and to make disciples as a church. We're a church that believes in the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. That when Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't leave us as orphans, but he sent the parakletos, which means the one who comes alongside. It means a helper, an encourager, a comforter. The Holy Spirit came and, and empowers us. And Jesus says in Acts 1.8 that when the Holy Spirit has come upon us, we will receive power to make disciples. The, the real thing that the Holy Spirit was sent for was not just that we would have warm fuzzies or goosebumps on the back of our neck, uh, but that we would be able to make disciples by preaching and heralding the gospel locally in Jerusalem, regionally in Judea and Samaria, and globally to the uttermost parts of the world. And so that's our vision as a church, to make disciples. Disciples who make disciples. Disciples who are sent out of this church uh, regionally and globally, okay, uh, go out and they proclaim. And they don't just proclaim it, but they embody it. See, it's nothing to just be a preacher, but to not be living it. So our disciples, they need to obey. They need to be those that are living and practicing what they preach. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the chief end of it all is the glory of God. That in the end, that, that really, here and there, uh, in the present and in the end, he would be glorified. Uh, we also developed a mission statement back in 2014. And what a mission statement is, it really is the how. How are we going to accomplish our vision? And so uh, we basically took our mission statement from really the vegetable garden of the book of Acts. Okay, And you can go through the book of Acts and you can just find these things regularly, continually happening uh, in the book of Acts. And so our mission statement is, as redeemed followers of Jesus Christ, the members of Calvary Chapel of Crook County regularly gather under the authority of the Christ-centered word and in the power of the Holy Spirit in order to purposefully love God and each other while boldly evangelizing the world as the truth of the gospel defines who we are and how we live. A lot of times we quote, we quote our vision statement at the church. It's not quite as often as we get to the mission statement, but 
uh, it is powerful, and it's good to be reminded that, that whether you're a covenant member of this church yet, or whether you just call this your home church, uh, and, and you consider yourself a member here, you're a faithful part of Calvary, this is your home, then, then something that, that's our mission, this is how we do that. We do that by regularly gathering, okay? Regularly, continually gathering. Uh, having the Christ-centered word preached to us, and it is our authority. We come under the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can purposefully love God, and not only love God, but each other. We preach the gospel in evangelism to the world, and we're transformed by that gospel. Now, one of the key kind of, just as the commission statement at the end of the book of Matthew was kind of our trumpet for the vision, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is really the, the main principle behind our mission. And uh, many of you know it. Acts 2.42, it's where we get the name for our home group ministry at the church, 242 group. Uh, but it says, and they continued steadfastly. Uh, one translation, I think it's amplified, says they gave themselves assiduously to the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. So that is something that everyone that calls themselves a member of this church, we desire that that be something that, that is part of their DNA, that they are just regularly continuing assiduously in the Word of God, in fellowship, which can also mean sharing with one another life, okay? Communion, it's, it's a koinonia is the word fellowship. Sharing in life together, um, breaking bread and in eating with one another. Something powerful that happens when we, when we have a meatball sub together and we just sit down and, and you know, we kind of let our guard down because, you know, we got, we got it up here and we got it down here, you know, and got a barbecue stain on my white t-shirt, as Tim McGraw says, you know, and it's like, I'm pretty real right now, so I'm just going to kind of break down and, and be real, okay? Um, and very importantly and often neglected in a local church, they gave themselves continually to prayer. These are the essential, fundamental, foundational activities of any biblical church, let alone Calvary Chapel of Crick County. It's been said that methods are many. Principles are few. Methods keep changing. Principles never do. So as we lay our vision for this next season, we're not claiming to be infallible or inerrant as elders. We're just guys that the Lord has anointed to lead and tend and oversee this body we see areas where maybe we're lacking and we're deficient. We're trying to shore up those areas, and we're seeking the Lord for spirit-led guidance on how to best live out our mission. And sometimes that is, you know, there's, there's the principles, apostles' doctrine or the word of God, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Those things should never leave this body, okay? Principles never change. Now, methods, how, how? How can we do this? Those are going to be flexible. And hopefully all of us are just open-handed to the methodology that it takes to get to fulfilling our mission. So with that being said, it was early August that I was sitting at, at dinner and, and my heart had already been stirred, uh, you know, just been stirred that, 
you know, there just is, is Wednesday night the best, most effective way to make disciples in our church? And, uh, you know, sitting there weighing out pros and cons and wonderful things and, and, and frustrating things and ways that we fall short and we lack and to be able to have a real effective Wednesday night ministry. And so the Lord just kind of, um, if you know me, I come from uh, Calvary Chapel Corvallis and Calvary Chapel Lakeview where, you know, Wednesday night Bible study was huge for me as a high schooler. Uh, Wednesday night Bible was something that I went through the whole Old Testament, chapter by chapter, sitting under Rob, sitting under Pastor Ken Odegaard, and, and really it was like a Bible college for me. Uh, and so I love like a midweek Bible study where, you know, the purpose is just to just plow ground through the word. It's very awesome time. It's very special. So for the Lord to kind of take me to a place where, where is Wednesday night Bible study the best way to effectively reach not just some, maybe 30% of our church who come out to Wednesday night, which is a big, good number. All the elders were saying, man, that's, that's a good number. Um, and yet that leaves another uh, 60% uh, or 70% rather who, who aren't there and are missing out during the week. And just how can we, is this the best way or is there a way to get everyone and get them as well. And so this just led us to take the month of August and just gather regularly as elders and, and invite um, input from the church, input from people who they weren't, we weren't wanting to just hear, hey, what's convenient for you? And hey, what, you know, just, what's just really, you know, uh, um, just puts you off about going to a midweek study? Or hey, what, you know, oh, oh, you've got, you know, Wednesday night TV? Oh, gosh, oh. Don't want to step on that, you know, but but really like as someone who wants to be a disciple who makes disciples, you know, what what's your life like and what's being part of this body like? And we heard from some of you. And so we were hearing from people. We were praying. We were discussing. We were reading books and listening to sermons. And really, we were just trying to gauge how effectively are we doing these things to obey Jesus in making disciples? Um, and where does most of this happen and on what days and at what times and just where is it the best? And, uh, and so I just taking time, just got my journal out and, uh, did that slide upload? Um, I think I made it. Yeah, this one. Oh, it, oh yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah. Okay. Pretty tiny. You don't need to really know anyways. Uh, but this is just basically what my notebook looked like as I was um, praying and, and studying. And, you know, basically we broke down, I broke down the mission statement into the top. The word, prayer, fellowship, people love, house to house. Um, by the way, Acts chapter 2 goes on to say that they met regularly and continued daily in the temple and met house to house. And great grace was upon them. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And so kind of added to that mission statement with um, house to house and breaking bread. And, and then also some practical things about a Wednesday night or a core group or the pulse, uh, which would be attendance. How are we doing at filling child care? The percent of people that are actually serving at those any given gatherings in our church. So I apologize. I knew when I was making this it was going to be long. I didn't know how it was going to fit on there, but hopefully you kind of get the idea. 
And so, you know, we just look at these things. And, and Sunday at the top, or it might say Unday. What's it say over here? Unday. Okay. Uh, Sunday. Man, we are five stars in the Word, okay? Uh, five stars. Um, you know, we're, we're three stars in prayer. You know, we pray for the nations, and we pray corporately kind of by ourselves. But, you know, and occasionally people will come up and get prayer. Um, you know, fellowship kind of happens. And, and when I say fellowship, I don't mean donut and coffee time. Okay? I mean living life together, sharing life together, sharing possessions, uh, sharing gifts, um, confessing sin, repenting of sin, exhorting one another, encouraging one another, um, weeping with one another, rejoicing with one another. Um, you know, it's, it's okay if some of you are like, man, I'd say four star here. This is just kind of the elders and me and just kind of our perspective and this is, again, it's not um, inerrant, okay? Um, you know, are people being loved when they come to our church on a Sunday morning? You know, three stars, you know? And you could figure out why that would be a three. Some people come in, they leave, never get met, never never follow up, you know, that kind of thing. Um, house to house, there's a white star. It's kind of the N-A. Um, I guess this is a house, so. Um, breaking bread, you know, when we're at the park. Attendance, five star. Now that's when people come is the Sunday. Um, child care, four star, we're getting there, people are serving, um, but the percent of the whole church able to serve at a Sunday, it's more of a two star, okay? Um, and so, you know, you kind of get the idea, you know, certain um, gatherings like um, 242, not so much on the word, not so much on prayer, uh, although the elders kind of weighed in and, and they're like, man, mine's a little stronger, so it's between one and three stars. Um, people... Um, fellowship happening, people loved big time, house to house big time, breaking bread big time, attendance, everyone goes to a 242, you know, no child care really, and a lot of people are serving at those. So you can kind of get the idea as you're looking at this, everything kind of has its strengths in each of the categories that our mission statement calls us to, okay? And so as I get into the word, um, I'm going to take a sip. So the word part of our mission in, two, in uh, Acts 2.42, we've always been and have always been a church that will major in the word and expository preaching. It's our DNA as a Christian church. Every Christian church should, but every Christian church doesn't. But even as a Calvary Chapel, that's one thing in our heritage that we have that's very, very strong is giving ourselves to the word of God. Okay, and so, you know, the, the direction that we're going in, we always want to be majoring in the Word. Uh, as Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for... So why would we preach the Word? Well, it's profitable for doctrine. That means right teaching, reproof or correction for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So are you guys seeing why? I'm sorry, don't, don't look at Tatum. She's cute. Laney's cute. But are you seeing why we preach the word? Look how effective the word of God is. Look what it does. So everything we do as a church has to be undergirded by the scripture. So no matter what we do, we have got to come under expository preaching, which is the word of God taught in context and correctly. 
So, so then, oh, you're right. Stay right there on that. I'll go right back into that verse. And so what do we do with a word of God that's effective for that? Well, Paul charges Timothy because of that before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Go on down. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And so that's my commission as a pastor, as a preacher. Preach the word. That's what it does. Whether we do a Wednesday night and, and five people show up out of, you know, a 200-person congregation, what's my role? Keep preaching the word. In season or out of season. When it's 100 people or five people, preach the word, right? Um, that's, that's my commission, and that's our call as a church. So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I want to touch on prayer, more than touch on I want to dive into uh, the, the ecclesiology of prayer in a church. In Acts chapter 1, right after Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples continued with one accord in unity with prayers and supplications. It says, this is right after Jesus ascended, they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey, and when they'd entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Now we have a list of all that were there, and it says in verse 14, these all continued, so get that word continued, right? And by the way, think of it. Let's pretend Jesus had just ascended yesterday or this morning. Now look at your life, okay? Just look at your life. If Jesus had just ascended Look at your life. Look at the priorities of your life right now. Does it match a book of Acts life? Or what are there things that it's like, there's no way I could possibly be part of this group because I've got soccer practice. I've got football practice. I've got clarinet and oboe practice. I've got dance. You know, I've got to run my 5K. I've got this, that, and the other. And believe me, none of those, I'm not saying anything. I just got back from soccer practice, okay? But would we be able to be a part of this group, being part of this continuation with one accord in prayer and supplication? And it says also who else was there. So um, we see the early church was a church that prayed right off the bat from when Jesus ascended. Um, I encourage you to go home and to get on our podcast and to get on our website and to Google and look up or search in the tab. The pulse of prayer through the book of Acts. Because basically what we did, we just went chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, bum ba da bum ba da bum ba da bum And the early church was a church that was a praying church. Individually, privately, uh, in homes, and corporately within churches. That was part of the DNA of the early church. And so as we looked and, and kind of came back this year and just said, Okay, so Lord, how are we doing with private individual prayer, family prayer, and corporate prayer as a church? How are we doing? And, and maybe, we're, maybe we're having it, but what about the other 70%? Is the other 70% of the church a part of corporate prayer at the church? They're not. That's a weakness that we have. Samuel Chadwick uh, writing books on prayer and the Holy Spirit in the late 1800s, said, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. 
His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless study, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. And so in all that we do, in all that we labor as a church, is it undergirded by prayer? And you know, Wednesday night, we, we tried to carve out a little bit of prayer, but it oftentimes was pushed out by a long-winded preacher, right? Um, and we have our, our, our week of prayer and fasting, which is just a deep, just canal of prayer for our church. As Kevin always says, it sets the tone for the year. So I don't feel that we're a prayerless church. But man, how often do we just we kind of get into seasons and it's, it's prayerless? I think the enemy just laughs at us. That you think you're just going to go ahead and do it on your own, huh? Right. Richard Sib said, When we go to God by prayer, the devil knows we go to fetch strength against him, and therefore he opposes us all we can. The devil recognizes that when we go to prayer, we become supernaturally empowered, and therefore the only thing he's afraid of is that we would ever get serious about prayer. So would you say you as a person, you as a family, and us as a church are serious about prayer? The only thing he's afraid of is that we would get serious about prayer. Alistair Begg said, the enemy is not too concerned about preaching that's not backed by prayer or worship that's not prayed out. By the way, I got to say, I love our worship team because they make sure they pray before they get up here and start to, it's like, uh, it's time to start. We got to pray. <laughs> but they got to pray. So just let them pray. Okay. Um, uh, or witnessing that's not prayed out. He recognized that all the little monsters and creatures that he has and all the pitfalls along the journey that we make through life are more than able to swallow us up unless we are to take seriously this thing called prayer. And so the early church continued in prayer, which is worship, and in supplication, which is petition. It's been said that a church that prays together stays together. Might have been M.C. Hammer. I don't know for sure, but David, look it up. Uh, a church that prays together stays together. And over my history as a pastor, not just here but in Corvallis, being a praying church, there have been many attacks of the enemy that we have seen thwarted that I know we can attribute to we have gone to prayer and we have waged warfare as a church in prayer. It was when they were praying and they were in one accord that the promise of the Father came, the baptism of the Holy Spirit for power to be witnesses. Charles Spurgeon says, Brethren, we shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. Can I just say that again? Brethren, we shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. And I would just urge you tonight, as we begin to lay out what our schedule is going to look like, that you would just, just please, okay, 
please just come open-handed and say, Lord, if you're calling me to be part of the prayer meeting of this church, I'm going to be part of the prayer meeting of this church. You know, to be honest, there's times as a church it feels like we're running in a swimming pool. You know, it's just making little, you know, so much effort and not much advance. And I just see, man, just weakness in prayer. Corporately, as a whole. J.B. Johnston wrote the book, The Prayer Meeting and Its History. And he said, a congregation without a prayer meeting is essentially defective in its organization and so must be limited in its efficiency. So a congregation without a prayer meeting is essentially defective in its organization and so must be limited in its efficiency. He goes on to say, as prayer meetings fail in a congregation, so will the ministrations of the pastor become unfruitful. I know what you're thinking. The preaching of the word fail to convert sinners and promote holiness in the professors of religion. Why do you think at the end of the book of Acts chapter 2 verses 46 and 47, after you read that the early church gave themselves assiduously to prayer, that you see, and a great many were added to the church and were saved. Because prayer was happening. Prayer among other things. I know what you're thinking. Same thing that we've been thinking for the last month as we've had calendars in front of us. You're thinking, I just don't have time to go to a prayer meeting. My job, my sports, my health, my luxury, no time. There's no time for that. Spurgeon said, another challenge we face is making time for prayer in the midst of a busy schedule. We think we are too busy to pray. Great mistake. For praying is a saving of time. Luther's remark, this is Spurgeon quoting Luther, which is always fun. I'm not the only quotey guy around here. Luther said, I have so much to do today that I shall never get through it with less than three hours of prayer. Did you catch that? That's pulling the rug out from underneath your ears. I have so, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I have so much to do today that I can't get it done without three hours of prayer every day. PM bound with a four hours a day prayer order. Effective in evangelism to PM bound. Uh, I think he would rise at uh, three in the morning and pray till seven. <laughs> he goes on to say, Spurgeon goes on to say, if we have no time, we must make time. For if God has given us time for secondary duties, he must have given us time for primary ones. And to draw near to him is a primary duty, and we must not let anything set it aside. Other engagements will run smoothly if you will not forget your engagement with God. So, the Lord adds to the church daily those who are being saved when a church is on the mission of the book of Acts. Revival takes place. Fred Hartley wrote everything by prayer. And he said, you can tell how popular the church is 
by how many people attend Sundays. Sunday in the park. Wow, did you see all the people there? Why were all those extra people there? Calvary Chapel does a church service in the park, man. You can tell how popular the pastor is by how many people attend the midweek Bible study. You can tell how popular Jesus is by how many people attend the prayer meeting. You know, coming from a heritage of prayer, corporate waiting on the Lord at Calvary Corvallis, where every Saturday night from 6 to 7.30, we would pray, we would wait on the Lord, we would pray. And I'm going to be honest with you, I would sometimes be like, oh, it's Saturday night. And I was on staff, so I had to be there. And there were times that just going, it was kind of like, well, I've got to do my duty. But you know, as Charles Spurgeon said, he says, does your heart beat cold in prayer? Then take it to the anvil of prayer and hammer it hot. And I'm telling you, when you just push through that fleshly tendency to not want to pray, and you go and you position yourself before the mercy seat, your heart gets beaten hot in prayer. He makes prayer warriors. But we've also battled over, I think it was six years, we had a prayer meeting. We called it The Pulse. It was on Thursday nights. And it was, it was uh, probably 30 to 35 people for a while, maybe 40 people. And then we had a horrible, horrible meeting. And it scared everybody off. Um, we call it the prayer meeting from hell. Scared everybody off. And for a long time, there were three people, eight people. 10 people, three people. It'd be me and Barb and, and the Halversons, you know? And, and it's like, let's pray. Let's wait on the Lord. And it was powerful and it was effective. And I believe that the Lord led us to Nepal. I believe the Lord led us to do membership. I believe that the Lord has led us and protected us through many things because of prayer and even because of that prayer meeting. But you know what it's a kind of result was, is what Alistair Begg says, so often churches discover people aren't up to it. It takes a tremendous commitment to do it. They discover people would be happier without it, and so they just let it go. It's so possible to do this in relationship to prayer, and that would be a great mistake. Richard Burr said, a dynamic praying church must be built from the inside out, employing all four levels of prayer, the secret closet, the family altar, small group praying, and finally, the congregational setting. Spurgeon said, even though we may not take part audibly in the action, yet if we are there in a right spirit, there really to wait upon God, we marvelously help the tone of a meeting. So encouragement to those of you that are like, I could never pray out at a prayer meeting. You marvelously help the tone of a prayer meeting just by being there. Last quote here on prayer, J.B. Johnston writing the prayer meeting and its history. History confirms the truth that wherever evangelical and vital religion flourish, 
there lives the earnest gatherings for social prayer. Guys, I want to be part of an evangelical church where vital religion flourishes. And just, you know, just over the course of, I don't know, maybe it's been a year, maybe, maybe eight months or something, certainly in the last three months, the Lord has just been stirring every one of the elders' hearts. It's time to come back to a corporate prayer meeting where we are there to pray. To pray for our church, to pray for our people, to pray for our city, to pray for our government, to pray for our nation, to pray for our world, to pray for our missionaries. We'll get back to what that's going to look like in this season. Quickly, kind of lumping together some of these other things of the mission statement that are fellowship, communion, sharing with one another, all of that coupled with loving one another, having a care with time for one another, where we consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, times of confession, times of weeping, times of rejoicing, times of bearing one another's burdens, times of encouraging and exhorting, and times to use our gifts to edify one another. We go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. We see that Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, that's you, for the work of the ministry. So that the, there would be edifying, building up of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith. And then it goes on to right doctrine and stability in that. So get what Paul's talking about there. He's talking about corporate involvement. He's talking about saints who are ministers. Okay? He goes on to say, clear down in verse 16, from whom the whole body joined together, knit together. I think there's an, a level of our past methods that we haven't you know, there's been times we're joined together and knit together, and there's times we're not. I think we've been in just a time where there's been less knitting together. And, and that we would be knit together, joined together, everybody, everybody. You live in Post, Polina, Bend, Redmond, and this is your church. There will be a level of being knit together in this church. By which every joint supplies. That means everybody helps out. Everybody contributes to the effective working by which every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So Paul tells us in this very churchy passage that Rory Rogers, or the lead pastor, is not the minister of the church. The four elders are not the ministers of the church. Ephesians tells us that we are the ministers of the church and that we are to be equipping, rather the elders are to be equipping you saints for the work of the ministry, that every one of you would be building up somebody else, that everybody, every single one of you would be doing your share. Kind of in this theme, we want to battle this American church model where 20% of the church is serving and giving and 80% is doing nothing. Now, that 80% 
is not always their fault. Sometimes it's just the way that we've been, we've been modeling ourselves after this church, and this, and this is just the way it's been done since the 1800s. So, you know, that's how we should view it. But that's not always the most effective way. And sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot with that to where people, they want to serve, they want to be involved, but we haven't given them a place to do so. And so that leads us to this next vision to help facilitate such a thing. 2 Timothy 2.2. It's a pretty easy memory verse. 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay, so we just, we feel that this is really the direction from the Lord so that we can most effectively be doing these things, uh, especially this body life that we were just talking about, where everyone's doing their share and everyone's being built up, everyone's being poured into, everyone's being loved on. And it's this 2 Timothy 2.2, which is what I call kind of the pay it forward model. Okay, so if we can show the, the diagram Paul, basically, he's writing 2 Timothy to uh, Timothy and I think Silas and Epaphras. And so, so you got Paul, and he's writing to these men, okay? And, and really, he says, and among many witnesses. So he, he had a good number. But then he says, and you teach them to faithful men who will then teach them to faithful men. It's a New Testament discipleship model. It's a New Testament multiplication model. And we believe the Lord is leading us to implement this in the church. And the leading is this, that each elder and his wife will take on faithful men and faithful women. People who've just already, and I'm talking most recently, been there and in it and, and ready to be equipped and ready to just to be taught how to make disciples, okay? And so every week on a Wednesday night, me and my wife are going to meet with um, a group of people, and we are going to intentionally pour into them how to make disciples be trained in the Word of God, and to, and to know how to equip more saints for the work of the ministry, that this load can be spread out. Uh, Blaine and Linda, kind of that second larger circle area. Aaron and Stephanie. Uh, Delina and Jeremy. Uh, each of them meeting every week with a group of individuals who will then go out that week and meet with a group of individuals it's, it's core group is what it is, okay? It's, it's how we've done core group. It's just we're really being intentional. We're really pouring into our core group leaders, and they're going out, and they are pouring in in a very organic way their disciples so that they can then go out and, and just make a disciple. Kind of the, the first off idea is that um, I will have three men. Lindsay will have three women. We'll meet together. At times, we'll be able to break off. Uh, and then those men will go out, and they'll have about three men. And then if just their, one of their three men just, just reaches out to one guy, 
and just starts having coffee with, with one guy. And, and one of those gals, just, I'm just reaching out. I'm, in, I'm inviting to church. I'm, I'm uh, just seeing how they're doing in the week. I'm pouring into these people. Uh, it begins to spread. It begins to multiply. You know, currently, we're just, we're, we're at the few people doing everything when the Lord wants us to have everybody doing everything. A couple weeks ago, I shared on a Sunday morning that the Lord has brought deep conviction uh, into the leadership that, that there have been times that we haven't been loving the body well. And there have been times when, when people are just going through muck and they're in the trenches and just for whatever reason, we weren't able to be in the trenches with them. We either dropped the ball or we didn't know. A lot of times we don't even know. And it's just because there's four of us, and I may be being a little bit um, generous, but there's 200 of you. Four of us, 200 of you. And so for us to, to just try to do everything, it's just, it's unbiblical. It's unbiblical. And so as we're just like, man, how can we, as, as we're wrestling through this loving people well, we just had to ask, how can we do it? There's only... 24 hours of the day, you know, Lindsay's like, I'm already exhausted. Um, I'm barely getting any sleep. I'm doing all that I can. And we just feel like it was a word of wisdom from the Lord as we're just convicted to love everybody well, that that doesn't just land on the elder and their wives. That's something that is every member ministry. That's every person ministry. And so what's incredible is as we began working through this method, and at the same time, this, this care and conviction on our heart to just love well, it, was, it happened at the same time. And we believe that to be able to spread the weight of church life and church ministry off the backs of one full-time paid pastor here. There's one full-time employee in this church. One. Then there's three other guys that are full-time employees, other places, they're coaches, they're dads, five kids. What's Jeremy going to have now? Four kids? Four kids? You know? This is, this is intense. So to be able to spread the weight out, think of it. Think of that net just being spread out where everybody's loving everybody. Everybody's reaching out. Everybody, you don't have to come to Rory with the crisis. All right? You don't have to come to Rory with the crisis because, because there are people all throughout the body and someone's been pouring into you. You go to that person with the crisis. That person loves on you. He, and he can get his mentor, his disciple, or his Paul to help pour into that. And, and it doesn't mean that there will never be a Rory in your life or, or involved. I really encourage you, as you look at this, guys, think of it as role and function. Do not think of it as value. Okay, Okay. we're trying to be most effective in how we are reaching this body. The closer you're into the circle doesn't mean you're loved more, you're more valuable. Don't let the enemy take you there. Okay, that's the enemy. These are people that have already been there, just like as we raise up elders. They're ready. They're ready to be set to it. Okay, they will go out and, and just spread out so that we can reach most effectively this church and this congregation. So, um, I want to answer a question before I move my music. 
Um, we already have this plan. Um, we've spent the last three weeks, and I was going to share a picture of our whiteboard, um, just meeting at 5.30 in the morning, 5 in the morning, meeting, meeting, praying, um, diagramming. And, and this is what's, I hope you feel loved by this. Every one of your names on the whiteboard. Every one of you. And, and way more than this. Like, anyone on the Facebook page, anyone who calls Calvary their home, anyone who's even been visiting lately, their names on the whiteboard. Intentional thoughts and love towards them. And then we went through and we began assigning positions. This isn't popularity contest. This isn't clickiness. This isn't, hey, well, you know, she's really close to this, like, best buds with this person, so they should be together. This is, who is going to be the most effective discipler of this person? Let's get them together. So we've already designed this. Your name is on a list, okay? You are going to be called you are going to be reached out to, you are going to be ministered to, and then you're going to have someone that you are then going to go out and reach out and minister to. Okay, um, all that being said, we're going to wrap up here. Um, I think the kid like passed out somewhere. Or something. Um, I believe I have a calendar. Okay, so, again, Assessing our vision, our mission, the book of Acts. How can we best do this? And don't look at it yet. <laughs> Nothing, this is a joke one anyways. Um, no, 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 you can't. I mean, I, I put it up there. So, But I want you to look at me for a second. We really are trying to be flexible for you. Now think about this. 200 people, maybe gender, I'm not a numbers guy. So maybe 200 people plus kids. We've got all of that. We've got jobs that are out of town. We've got jobs that are six to four. We've got jobs that are five to, you know, whatever. We've got truck drivers that drive all night and, you know, and, and so we've got all of this to consider, okay? And, and we've been willing to say, does 242 go? Does core groups go? Does Wednesday night go? Like, I hope you see, like, we are flexible. Like, we tr we're trying to be flexible. And not, you know, sometimes just like, oh, just, why aren't they at Wednesday night? Why aren't they at Wednesday night? Why aren't, oh. And, it, and, it, and, and it's not that we're like, fine, forget it. That's not it. Instead, it's, they just can't be it. For some, for some, they just don't want to be there. But for some, it's like, I just can't be it. Wednesday night. Just can't be there. Okay, so how can we most effectively reach you? Okay, so that's prayer and diagramming and looking at our vision, our mission. What does the Bible call us to? And this is what we believe this next season is supposed to be for our church. So pop it back up. Um, I don't know why it's cutting um, Basically, what you have is a weekly calendar here. Okay, on the top you have first and third Sunday of the month, and then right next to it you have second and fourth Sunday of the month. So this is just, this is Sunday, kind of that big set of columns there, okay? Um, we have six weeks on, number of weeks off, where we have equip, and we get here at 7 a.m. for the purpose of making disciples and equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, okay? 
Um, so we'll be getting back into Equip in a number of weeks. Uh, then we have our Sunday services, 9 to, uh, 9.30 to, I think I put, I don't have my glasses anymore, where are my glasses? Noon 30, let's be honest. Okay, but you know, that's, that just includes usually fellowship. By the time we lock the doors, that's that block of time on a Sunday morning, okay? Now, here's where we believe that the Lord is leading us uh, in order to help do the mission. The Lord's calling us back to having a corporate prayer meeting as a church, okay? Uh, that will be Sunday nights on the first and third Sunday of the month. And let me just explain that for a second. For some people, an every week prayer meeting for an hour and a half, boy, man, I just to commit to that and to just labor for an hour and a half, some people just aren't there yet. And others of us, man, we know we need prayer. We know we need to labor in prayer. So we're going to come together almost every other week, and we're going to labor in prayer as a church. Uh, so the pulse will begin again um, on the first. This all begins the, the first of October, by the way. Okay. Uh, so the pulse will be the first Sunday night of the month. Then we have 242, which kind of humorously is the second and fourth Sunday of the month. So second and fourth. There will not be the Pulse. There will be 242 groups. Those kind of go a little bit longer. The Pulse is just an hour, okay? Now, in the last, uh, I think it was February, the Lord really stirred us towards having a, a, a love and appreciation for the Lord's Day. That we would remember the Lord's Day. We would keep it holy. We would minister to one another. Remember, you know, you can listen to those teachings, but there's been a value stirred up in our body for Sundays. Um, and so, you know, what a wonderful way to use our Sundays, to use the Lord's Day, to be able to go home, rest, get a nap, spend some family time, and then come back and either pray or fellowship with one another on Sundays. So, uh, Sundays split up. And the fifth Sunday, if there is one, it's a night at home with your family on a Sunday um, Monday, Mondays and uh, Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays, those are all open. Um, those are to facilitate core groups, okay? Um, Tuesday, pretty excited about this. The Lord has led us for quite some time to have um, like a middle school youth group, um, but it's going to be called youth group, and it's fifth through seventh grade, eighth graders go to the high school ministry. Okay, so hammering out final details, you might have seen a survey on the page, uh, the Facebook page today, trying to figure out good timing, but um, essentially, right now it's looking like, beginning in October, on Tuesdays, come down here to the church, get your kids, and we can pick each other's kids up, bring our kids down here to the church, they'll have a snack, we'll do activity, we'll worship, we'll get in the Word, we're going to make disciples, uh, and we have got a ton of fifth graders moving up into middle school right now. Um, it's exciting. No questions now, Casey. No, I'm kidding. But, no. By the way, she's the one that did the survey today. So good job, Casey. Yeah, real helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you can't do that. Um, it's Gutini, but it's 3.30 to 5. So 3.30 to 5. Right after school, you come here, uh, and then a lot of us, like you'll notice, a lot of sports practice times, Tuesday, I've just heard a lot in talking to people, Tuesdays and Thursdays are kind of the main sports times, okay? So, uh, so we'll get them out, 
let them go get to their sports. So um, I really encourage you guys in something. Parents, I'm a coach and I'm a parent and I'm a pastor. And I have kids come into my practice that play both football and soccer and I have for years. They play football, soccer, and they have to tag team and interchange. And you know what? I'm gracious as a coach. Like I have a really good player that I wish he could be at every practice, but he only comes to one a week. And I'm, I'm flexible. And I would encourage you to consider youth group like that other activity. That you need to tell your coach, um, we'll be there on Thursday. I mean, if it, we might be late, we might be early, whatever, but we're going to be flexible because, you know, we've got to be flexible with one another. So, and by the way, youth, I mean, um, sports are a season anyways. I mean, soccer gets over, so, you know, be able to join us in November, you know, six, eight weeks. So youth group will keep going. Um, so youth group, by the way, be praying about being involved in that. Right now, Lindsay and I are going to be spearheading it, but we're going to be raising up people to be taking on that ministry. So if you're interested, come, come help us with that, okay? Um, elders, just so you know, we meet every week. Um, so I just threw up there, just so you know, our week consists of a good almost two-hour period Wednesday, starting about 5.30 to 7.30, uh, where we're meeting. And then Wednesday, it's a wider gap. There's two things that happen there. High school discipleship. Uh, I hope I put it at the right timing, 6.30 to 8. eight. Six? The, the slide says 6.30, we need to edit, because I went online to look at it. Six. Six, I will edit that. Uh, so high school group, and then for the majority of the main core groups, where the, the equipping is taking place, that'll be kind of the midweek Wednesday night thing. Um, and then they will go out from there and have core groups. Uh, morning, um, you know, there's a, look at all that white space there. You know, in the evenings, things like that. But Mondays are open for that. Thursdays are open for that. Fridays are open for that. Saturdays are open for that. And um, this is what we believe the Lord is leading us for this next calendar to look like um, for this next season. So that's the end of my presentation. And that is, um, that's the end of my notes. So totally cool with taking questions. We've had a lot of questions at the elders meetings. We have we have Lindsay cooking breakfast and um, and like, have you thought about this, you dummy? And I'm like, but I don't care about that. So no, just kidding. She said, my love, have you thought about this, my love? So just real quick, any we can put slides back up there. We can do uh, here. Let's throw back up there the uh, this one. Okay. Okay. So you there. Yeah, so Facebook page, um, you'll be getting phone calls for your core group, um, website will have the new calendar on there, church calendar will reflect all this, so yeah, we'll, we'll be plastering it so everyone knows, announcements on Sunday mornings. No, main core group is the hub. It's kind of the, really what it is, is it is um, an equipping time for the discipleship group leaders so that they can go out and have their core groups effectively. Something that we went through when we 
normally do porgers the normal way is porger leaders are out there and they're on their own. They're on their own and it's like a year goes by. And I mean, we have core group meeting on our calendar for the leaders and there's just too much going on. We can't do it. And so we finally, like a year later, it's like, how are you guys doing? How's your core group? How, do you have, have any questions about how to lead a core group? They're like, we don't know what we're doing. We're like, oh, sorry. Like poor leadership. And so th one thing that this helps solve is every week your core group leaders are being met with. Um, we are um, we're going over like what we're going to be talking about in our groups that week. Um, so we've got like a direction. And, and really, they are being held accountable for making disciples in their group. And, and then they're holding you accountable for just, hey, who are you disciple? Just one person. One person. Who are you disciple? And, and so there's that level of it as well. But there's that reaching out also. It's not just holding you accountable for making discipleship. It's like, like Dave is my guy. So every day I'm talking with Dave. I'm calling Dave. I know if Dave's going to Italy on vacation. I know, you know, you know I'm praying for his, you know, you did it once, you're doing it again. You know, but, and so if Dave's like ill, and then, you know, guys, we have people in the hospital having heart attacks, stuck in St. Charles for a week, and nobody knows. How does that happen? And so it's like, we are plugged in. Everyone is being touched, okay? So again, I remember back when we did Equip, and it was on Wednesday nights, and it took the place in midweek. People left the church because, you know, he didn't invite me to that. Guys, we're not leaving anybody out. We're having a, we're having a, a, a discipleship training time so that then they can go out and they can reach you. So main core group is kind of that main training ground so that they can go out and uh, effectively run their group. Good question. I knew it was coming, Gail. Two forty-two is home groups, and it's really more of a like you and, and Janet will will go to a home, and we'll bring a side dish, and you guys will feast with probably another five, six, sometimes ten families in the church, and it's just rubbing elbows, building friendships. Sometimes groups like Blaine's often it's quiet enough with not enough kids. We don't want that to be the case. People just gravitate towards Blaine that way. They know he's mean towards kids. I mean. And, uh, but you know, Blaine's group, a lot of times they're able to pray and talk about Sunday's message. You know, my group, I usually have 40, what, where's Lindsay? You know, what do we normally have? 40 kids, maybe? Thirty total people. So, okay, yeah, so I was way off that at numbers. So anyways, what it is, is it's home group, it's fellowshipping. Although when I say fellowship, you guys, you gotta be careful with that. It's more um, breaking bread is what it is. It's breaking bread because fellowship is getting into the deep things and sharing life together. That's sometimes hard to do at 242 groups. Sometimes it happens like we rated it like a two on the Richter scale. So that's what 242 is, it's home group, breaking bread. Any other QUs? Oh, normally five. We're going to try to have more. And so please, since this is starting up second week of October, we're going to need to be getting home, host homes, which is just have a home available 
you know, you know the size of it, you can determine how many people can fit in it, and we'll just cut it off at that number. But we do need, you know, we're trying to spread the load out and not just have five people have 38, however many rooms you said, at our house, you know, spread that out a little more. So, yeah. Pam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wyatt needs someone to hold his hand. Um, I, for, I, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to put this on here, but um, part of kind of the vision for this season is even with Wednesday night and even when we would provide childcare, people were still taking their kids to Awana because it's an effective discipleship program. And so it's just kind of one of those things like if you can't beat them, join them. And so part of what we're going to be doing for Wednesday night, so we're going to have youth group, we're going to have high school group, and then we're going to be taking our little ones to Awanas, which is uh, 6. You can drop them off at 545. Pick them up at what time, Jess? Did you text me? 745? Pick them up at 745? So really, that's kind of our child care for um, those main core groups is... Uh, Get a little cubby vest on, and yeah. So, but you know, we put our babies to bed. You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, kind of, yeah. That reminded me of something else. But yeah. No. Okay. Yep. No, we gotta work through that. Yeah. So, keep uh, stay tuned. But long story short is there's going to be a youth group for the kids in that. So, yeah. 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 No, time's totally flexible. Basically, the people are established. And there's some flex, you know, there's flexibility there. Some people are going to have to hop to another group for whatever reason. But we're just trying to be effective in thinking of every person, making sure that they're included. Um, and so that's where it's it's flexible. For the leaders, it's still going to be kind of like we have a midweek study because it's going to be a, a night of your week, and then it's going to be a core group time. Like you know, you had yours on Monday nights, Kevin, and and uh, you know, I had mine on Friday morning. So um, so. Not much is changing as far as a weight load added to you guys. Um, and so uh, flexibility on time, wherever you would pick that slot for your core group. And then that main core group, there's even flexibility there, you know, as to when you guys need, like, um, some people aren't going to be able to do Wednesday night, but there's flexibility. you come from?
Yes. Working through the details, there's a level of like, and she might just be better meeting with her, that can fit. And then there's a level of, I got three guys, and, and really it's sometimes gonna be, we're meeting for coffee once a week, and you know, it's just, you're gonna have to work with each other. And sometimes when you just nail something in concrete, people just can't be at it, so. Trying to have more of a level of flex in it. When you get out to those other tiers, there's just going to be a lot more living life together. So, yeah, just taping. Mm -hmm. It's going to be more open just to as we're hitting subjects that we're going through, you know, what the Lord's doing in the body at that time, meeting with our groups, then kind of going over that, and then you guys taking that to your different people and just having the conversations with people about these things and yeah, equipping them with what you've been equipped with before, so. Yeah, so really nothing super new, okay? What it is is it's core groups that we're just saying everybody be in a core group, okay? Everybody be in a core group. Everyone's going to be reached out to. Nobody's out on the fringe. Like there's nobody that's not going to be being loved on, getting texts, getting prayers, you know, being invited to things. Everybody's being loved on. Everybody's being touched. Everyone's being thought of, living life together. Um, it, it just looks different that, you know, how are we gonna really be able to do this with weekly schedules? Well, we're gonna pull midweek study off that only 30% of the church could be a part of, and we're gonna do something that, we're gonna kind of tailor it so that 100% of the church could be a part of. And, um, and so, you know, that's just really an exhortation to everybody here to, to Obey the word, obey the scriptures, and be a disciple. Like, no, no lone wolves in the New Testament, guys. Um, that's or lone sheep, I should say, because the wolves come and get you. And so we're just we're calling everybody to, uh, yeah, no lone wolves either. So, well, you guys, I know it's been a long meeting. It's eight o'clock, Mrs. Barb. October. October, we're going to be making, up to October, we'll be making these phone calls, uh, getting groups put together, finalizing little details, and it'll all start at uh, the beginning of the month. Yes, we've been on break since June. I know some core groups have kept going, but we've been on break since June, so yeah. Yeah, old core groups are splitting up to be able to make more disciples, basically. So there's flexibility there with some people still being able to be in groups. We have that in mind as we've made this list and stuff. Um, we've done a lot of studying, but you know, there's, there's pros and cons to doing the same core group every year, having the same people 
And then there's, you know, there's, there's pros to that, and there's also cons to that. There's also wonderful benefits in splitting up being part of the body. One thing we, we're trying to war against as a church is that all the senior citizens go to Blaine's home group. Like, it's, un, it's unbiblical. It's hilarious, but it's sad. Okay? There have been times that we have begged seniors to come live life with us, and they would not do it. You did, baby. We love you. But they wouldn't do it. Many, I should say. Not all of them. Many wouldn't do it. People have left the church because we wouldn't, you know, because we wouldn't just let them go all the gray hairs together. No, like, the Bible says, you need to pour into me your wisdom, your knowledge, disciple me. We're asking for that. And so we're, we're trying to break up the, you know, this people, these people go to Blaine all the time. These people go to Barb all the time. These, like, you got to spread it out because the gospel takes us out of our comfort zones and puts us with people we would normally never hang out with because we've all, we've all been redeemed by grace. And, and I have friends that I would normally never be friends with, but the gospel. So, yeah. So, in fact, some of the groups we're making were purposely saying, this person's going to challenge this person, like in a good way, not just, this guy hates this person. Yeah, they need to be together. No, not like that. But, you know, like, oh, yeah. He needs to be with him because, because he's, he's going he's gonna to be truthful and real with him. And, and he needs that. So, lots of prayer. All your names have been on the boards. And uh, we're excited about it. We're really excited. We really feel... Uh, well, yeah, phones are going to be ringing, emails are going to be going off. We're ready for it. Don't just call Rory. Don't call Jeremy either. He's in China. Actually, call Jeremy. Call Jeremy. Yeah. Hey, let's stand together. We're going to close in song. Thank you guys for your patience and all the questions are good. You know, um, we exist to make disciples. That's what we're trying to do here. We're, we're trying to do the vision. We don't exist just to have a Bible study. Okay? And that's one of the dangers of like Calvary Chapel is that Bible study is the end. And we, we've got to fight that. Okay? We're still going to be studying the Bible. We're still going to be in the Word. The Word of God is going to inform everything that we do. But... Jesus says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life. But you do not know that these are they which testify of me. In other words, we're going to be reading the Bible. It's going to be telling us what to do. And now we go out and live. All right? So there's a little, sometimes there's a little bit of shifting as the Lord says, okay, now it's time to do it. You know all the stuff. We're teaching the stuff. We're going in the Word. We're in the information era where you can get Bible teaching any time of day, anywhere you're at, okay? And, and we can recommend good, solid teachers. So we got, we got theology, okay? Now it's time to live it as a church. That's, uh, sometimes that's uh, the, the calling from the Lord for us. And so um, let's just close with... Um, song regarding the glory of the Lord in our church.
precious cornerstone, sure foundation. You are faithful to the end. We are waiting on you, saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives. We believe your all to us. The only Son of God said from heaven, hope and mercy at the cross. You are the promise Jesus you are all to us let the glory of your name be the passion of the church let the righteousness of God be a holy flame that burns let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives. We believe you're all to us. 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 all of this is said and laid out 
Lord, we just all declare that you are all to us, Lord. Lord, we are having this meeting tonight because of you, Jesus. We are having this meeting and just being purposeful and intentional and laboring in thought and, uh, and just strategy, Lord, because your word is authority to us. We believe what you said when you ascended and your final words were, go and make disciples. And so, Lord, we know that there are many people in our church that, that they've just been slapped a tag on their back that just says Christian, and yet they're not disciples. They're not following you, Jesus. They're not imitating you, Jesus. And Lord, we know that there are even people in our church that that would be the case. And Lord, we believe that your spirit is leading us to just draw those individuals in and to just, to just, uh, just add to your kingdom that you could be glorified. And so, Lord, we just say, let the glory of your name be the passion of this church. Not the glory of my core group or her core group or this night or that night. Lord, we pray that righteousness would be a holy flame that burns in us. We pray just that as we as a church are intentional about prayer once again, and just intentional, concentrated prayer, Lord, we pray that saving love of Christ would be the measure of our life, that he would add to this church daily those who are being saved. Here at Calvary Chapel, Lord, you are all to us. We pray this in Jesus' name.